Welcome to another exciting episode of Carving the Divine TV. My name is Yujiro Seki. I'm a director, writer, and the producer of the documentary Carving the Divine. Carving the Divine is about the Buddhist sculptors of Japan, and I'm ready to present it for the first time in the world. But before I do so, I thought it would be a great idea to introduce basic concept of Buddhism and the history of Buddhism so that when you guys finally watch my documentary, you guys can watch it at the maximum value. Today, we're going to be talking about the haiku. Yes, haiku in relationship with the Buddhism. You know, somebody who's good with uh, uh, learning another language, it doesn't mean uh, he or she is good with a uh, poetic language. I'm one of them. You know, I might be able to speak English, Spanish, and Japanese, but when it comes to poetic language, I have no idea what people are talking about. So that's why I invited somebody who can talk about haiku for the rest of his life. I would love to introduce to you uh, Master William Sheehan. Welcome to our show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate you having me here. Truly, truly an honor to be here and to be part of this exciting. I, I've watched your episodes and it's just amazing some of the things that you've had on there. It's just an honor to be here. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm honored that you are here too. So I know you are very famous uh, all over the world, but just in case uh, for the people who don't know anything about you, uh, please introduce yourself. Well, I'm William Seo Sheehan. My um, Buddhist, my middle name is Seo. It means fierce Buddhist, shine down on everyone without, with compassion and love. And I do that a lot with my haiku as well. I teach martial arts, Meifu Shinkage-ru, which is a traditional Japanese weapons art at the Japanese Culture Center, as well as I am a minister's assistant in a Jodo Shinsu temple. I am seeking Tokodo, and I'll be traveling to Japan, I guess, someday <laughs> when COVID lets up to achieve ordination. And I am the chaplain at the Jesse Brown Veterans Hospital, where I work with veterans and help them in their pursuits as well. Wonderful, wonderful. Wow, you are jack of all trades and the master of everything. So <laughs> I got you, I got you. So yes, we'd love to ask you first of all, uh, this fundamental but you know, difficult question. So what is haiku? Haiku, I've been studying it since I was about 10. And over the years I've gained a, a little bit of knowledge about what it is. And it's not what most people think. It's not generally 575, unless you are writing in Japanese in the kanji, because the syllables in the Amer in the English language is different than the, it's not syllables in the kanji, they're onji or sounds. So for most people that are sticking to a 575 format, while that's okay, for a lot of them, if you're forcing it, and we'll get to that when we talk a little bit about Zen and not forcing something, but letting it flow. If you're forcing it, it's not really that good or it may not be that good a haiku. I'm gonna to read to you what has been, what is the accepted definition of a haiku and the one that I teach in all my classes because I, I am the haiku master at the Japanese Culture Center for about 20 years now. And this is the one that I use for my students. And I'm gonna read this to you. A haiku is a short poem that uses imagistic language to convey the essence of an experience of nature 
or the season intuitively linked to the human condition. So basically we have an, we have, we're connecting nature and the human condition together. And what you've got here is a snapshot of a moment where nature and humanity come together. We use certain words like kigo, which are seasonal words, and we use kariji, which are, which are cutting examples where we pause. I use seisera a lot to describe that to most English speakers, especially magicians. Magician. Mathematicians? No. One more. Musicians. There we go. That's the one I'm looking for because they understand a rest pause, a seisera. And in a haiku, when you're having that in there, you want that pause you don't want it to just flow on. And the other thing with the haiku is you want a bit of brevity to go along with that. You don't want it to be so long that it's just a big run on sentence and it makes no sense. And that's the basic gist of a haiku. I call it a snapshot. Remember back in the day when you take a snapshot and you would shake out the film and then you had this piece of and it, would, and it would develop and you would look at that. Well, a haiku describes that moment, which is the very kind of a Zen-like, it describes a moment in time that even if I describe it and you read one of my haiku or I read one of yours, you can maybe feel what I was feeling, see what I was seeing, all within three simple lines of about 12 to 17 words maximum and then to be, that could be said in one breath. And that is the kind of haiku in a nutshell, you could say. Yes, we got the theory, but now we want to see some examples. Uh, can we see some examples of haiku? Right. Yes, happy to. These are some that I have written that I thought maybe I would be I would I would share and maybe would give some examples of what I've been talking about. The um, we'll go to the third one down about the cardinal. Cardinal sings, loosening winter's grip. Upon my heart. Cardinal sings, loosening winter's grip, upon my heart. In. The United States cardinal is, it's a winter bird. So you, you'll see, and it's beautiful to see a red cardinal on the white snow. And there in itself is lots of haikus about that. But one winter I was outside walking and I heard the cardinal sing. And it just kind of warmed my heart. So we have the kigo, which is the seasonal word and then the juxtaposition, the cardinal singing loosening winter's grip. It's upon my heart, not so much. It's not actually letting winter go, but it is opening up and letting me realize that everything is going to change. <laughs> it may be cold now and it may be dark and dreary, but here's this bright red bird that is warming my heart. Another one that I have up on the first one, first frost. Your pillow cold, far too young. First frost, your pillow cold, far too young. With this was the thought of if I, and I actually wrote this as a 
different type of poem to my wife because I was going into surgery and I had left it at home under my pillow and I was thought that maybe she would find it once I had gone. And if I didn't come out of my surgery, then it would give her a memory of me. So if I was gone, and maybe I'm not that young, but <laughs> I felt feels young to me. But first frost, your pillow cold, far too young. Something like that, you may find that different. It may be thinking of a child that is gone or even if someone has a cat and the cat is gone and this is their first winter and the cat that usually sits beside them on the couch is gone. And it seems like it was far too, gone, far too young to lose that cat. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, yeah, like uh, when we do Carving the Divine TV, uh, oh, we always try to provide uh, basic history of the subject. So I know it's gonna be a big question uh, and it's uh, really hard to answer it in a short period of time, but I'm gonna ask you anyway. Uh, so what is the short uh, brief history of haiku? Okay, that, that's a very good question. Give you the elevator pitch of what the history of the haiku is. is it, has a, it has a very long history, of course. It goes way back to the, um, even to the hundred poems that were in the books and you'll see the cards where they would play the cards in the old courts and you would have to know, they would show one picture and you'd have to know what haiku or what poem was linked with that picture. And then out of that, they started competitive, it was called Ringu and it was a linked verse poems. And the first three were five, seven, five, first three lines that set the tone and the season. So you had your Kigo right in there. So, and in, in the Ringo, if you started in say spring, the next person who got the next line couldn't jump to um, winter. They had to go to <laughs> fall first, or summer first. So they had to follow the seasons around and it would continue set like that. So the haiku were started and there were many that competed in the Ringu, Bashu, Shiki, um, Isa even did that as well. But they saw that, huh, these first three lines have something of their own. Basho was a Zen trained priest. Isa was a Jodo Shinsu. So they both saw the impermanence of just those three lines. And out of those three lines is where we get the modern version of haiku, which it, when it was part of the Ringu was called a hoku. So you can see where they just took that piece and made his own separate art form. Mm, wonderful. And you mentioned uh, about uh, there's a difference between English haiku and Japanese haiku. Of course, you know, we, they, we have a different cultures. Uh, you know, we have a different languages. I totally understand. But, you know, when you go to different countries, uh, do they have a, their own version of a haiku or something? That, that's a very good question. Surprisingly, most haiku that are published in journals now are published in English. I was looking to, in, there's, an, there's a journal called the um, Haiku Internationalist uh, that I've been published in in Japan. And they will have the English and then the translations in Japanese. So 
even in Japan, you will find a lot of English published haiku. And when I'm published, generally I'm considered neo-traditional because I like the old style, the kigo, the nature, but like in countries, especially the Latin countries, you'll get much more flowery language. You'll get more rhyming. You get all these different styles. But if you go into like the German and the Slavic type of countries, they're much more hard, terse, hold to the letter, five, seven, five, even in like if they're writing in English. So they will do it. We also have um, within Japanese, the culture, we have traditional, modern, and then we even have an avant-garde style within Japan itself, even if you're writing in Japanese. So what came out of the Ringu, like we spoke about, we have this thing, it's kind of taken on its own life. There are styles called, there's a publication called Modern Haiku, which writes stuff. What they accept there may not be three lines, may not be five, seven, five. It may be in a diagonal with a word crossing like this to make it. So it's kind of like a, mod, a contemporary modern art museum as opposed to a traditional. So all over the world it's been taken, but then it's each culture kind of makes a bit of it its own. Mm, wonderful. Uh, yes, now we would like to talk about the haiku in relationship with the Buddhism. So you mentioned about the Basho and the Isa and all this, but you know, uh, just for the people who don't know anything about all that, uh, please tell us what you're talking about. What, like I said a moment ago about the haiku, that first part being very transient. If you think about Zen and you think about that moment, it talks about impermanence, both in Jodo Shinsu and in Zen Buddhism, there's that moment of impermanence. We saw it earlier, we saw some of the things about fresh dew, things like that. That's the dew is there and it is gone. So are we just here for a moment and then we are gone? So what we're talking about within those tradition, Basho was a Zen trained priest and Isa was Jodo Shinsu, but both of them, and I can give some examples, talk about it as the impermanence. Also within Zen, we have that aha, the Satori or Shinjin, those moments that go, ah, which I think a good haiku should make you feel that, should make you go, hmm, I hadn't thought about it that way. Or to open your eyes so that you see something in a different way than you thought of it. So it's kind of like that Satori or Shinjin, that awakening moment within them. Mm, wonderful. Again, uh, can we see some examples? Yes, yes, yes. I did pick up a few here. Let's start with the middle one here. I kind of like this one. It gives a good example for both Zen and Jodo Shinsu in the sense that it's simple trust. Cherry blossoms fall, pitta pat in that way. Simple trust. Cherry blossoms fall, pitta pat in that way. Now, the Jodo Shinsu part is a simple trust in Amida's 18th vow, and that vow is where Amida said that 
he would not go into the pure land until everyone become Buddhas. So when you're saying Namu Amida Butsu, you're saying that simple trust that that is true. But the Zen part is the blossoms, they're on the branch, right? And then they fall. So they're transitory, the Sakura, that moment. And that's why the, the viewing is such a wonderful moment in Japan, because you have all this beauty, but it's transient which is the Zen part of it, as well as most Buddhism, because we're only here for a few moments in time. Mm, wonderful. I see other uh, examples as well. And uh, you know, before we get into that, I want to ask you, who's Amida? For the people who don't know anything about Amida. Amida, we have the traditional Shakyamuni Buddha. Amida, within the tradition as I understand it, is the one that set forth and said, hmm, I, I don't necessarily want to achieve Paranirvana or next full stage Nirvana until I can bring everyone with me. And Shinran, founder of Jodo Shinsu, put these books out, put these writings out there. And the 18th vow is the one that's the most important. And that basically says that I will not go into the pure land or the Western pure land until I can bring everyone with me. So Amida, if you go into a temple, you'll see them, you'll see the statue leaning forward a little bit towards you. It not, it not, he didn't just go and wait for you to get there. He's going to bring you along, which is where that simple trust in Amida. And that's why we say Namu Amida Butsu is that we are not praying, but we're just saying thank you for doing that and being prepared to walk the path with, the, with us that you've already laid and meet us along that path. Wonderful, wonderful. So, you know, you always talk to me about the uh, I got to open up a haiku eyes. <laughs> but, you know, I never understood what that meant. So it's time for me to ask you uh, this question again. What does it mean to open up a haiku eyes? Some people refer to it as like your haiku mind or open up your creative. You'll hear people even reference to say, put on your um, thinking cap or put on your creative goggles. But haiku eye to me, I think about it as it pertains to seeing the things that we normally just step over. Whether it's the small daisy that's growing up through the crack in the grass, whether it is the beautiful lights that as you're entering the train station, you've never, you haven't seen them. Maybe it's the beggar that you have not noticed. You've walked into that train station a thousand times and never noticed them there. One of the things that I like about Isa is he talks about the flies, the mosquitoes. He even writes haiku about the bed bugs, how they're cold on a winter's eve and they're his only companions. Basho writes about the frog leaping into the pond. It's these little things that we may not see. The, um, like I said, the beggar, you can also see the, sm the smell of the great food as you're walking down the street, but then you walk over a manhole cover and you smell the sewer. 
because life isn't just the beautiful. Life is also the ugly, the dirty, the smelly. And the haiku, I, I like you to open that up so that you see that from a perspective that it is. It's both, you know, one side and the other. It's not all beautiful or all ugly. They both exist one in one. And if you open up your haiku, you may walk down the street and see something, maybe the way the cracks are laid out in the sidewalk. You may think, oh, look at this cracked sidewalk. But if you look at the pattern, maybe there's a pattern there that goes, oh, that's kind of beautiful. Looks like a river flowing down, you know, down the street. Or you see the flashing lights of the siren of a car that goes by. But then you think that person is also maybe going to save someone. And what, or if it's an ambulance, and you then you can put yourself and you think about, huh, how did that person get there? How would I feel the human condition we talked about? How would I feel if I was in that ambulance? And where may I be going? Maybe it's positive. Maybe they're going to give birth. Maybe they're going to seek help. Maybe they have got an issue, but you're paying attention to it, not all oh, just that annoying fire, that annoying ambulance going by. No, think about it. They're all people too. Everything that comes and goes, the bugs, the fleas, the people, things that annoy you, they all exist, but they all fade away. That ambulance will go and you will be left with silence, but maybe it leaves something with you. Wow. Wow. I'm inspired too. Uh, I got to go out there and uh, write a haiku for myself as well. Well, <laughs> well, you know, some people might be interested in uh, more resources. Uh, can you tell us uh, some of your favorite poets or, you know, maybe some places we can go to uh, to look for more information about haiku? Obviously, I've talked a lot about um, Isa and Basho and some of the favorites. There is one of my favorite translators. He's actually my sensei. He's a tenure professor at, um, Louisiana, in Louisiana. And he has translated, I guess now, about 15,000 of Isa's haikus. And he's not done yet. <laughs> and his website is haikuguy.com. It's real uh, haikuguy.com. And you can search up on any type of topic, and it's a great, it's a great book. But you can also just um, the Haiku Society of America is one. They have a great resources. Um, International Haiku, which is in Tokyo, I'm a member of that. If you're in Britain, there's the British Haiku Society, and. Um, like I said, I talked about contemporary art types. There is the um, modern haiku. And if you Google any of these, you can find all sorts of information. Another book that I'm working on, this was the first one, and this is out of Japan. A friend of mine, he is um, talking about Lafkaido in Japan. He called it In Japan Code. And it is full of haiku all sorts of information, wonderful data that you can have on it. And um, I will actually be in the next book of these and I will keep you informed of how that goes. We offer classes worldwide now with at the Japanese Culture Center here in Chicago. 
which is basically japaneseculturecenter.org so that you can take a class with me or if you reach out there and just ask ask them to forward you an email i can answer any other questions i'm always happy to and check emails and love to speak to people there are lots of um, groups on facebook social media that write haiku and you can find one that fits fits your style there are some that write in spanish i've only written one in spanish my spanish isn't that good i spent some time in mexico as a kid but i wrote one about de la morte because i it kind of it just came out <laughs> that that moment we talked about of aha and it just came out and it worked so there's lots of resources out there and there's a there's a few there as well and you can always reach out to me i'm happy to answer any questions mm, wonderful so and where can i find you you have a social media information or website so uh, we can look into yeah if you go to um japanese culture center org and that will give you that information or if you go to fiercebuddhist.org i wrote for five years straight one haiku a day they're not all good because <laughs> sometimes when you do one a day you, you know you're plugging away you're learning and i look back and some of them i go oh and then some i go wow that turned out better than i remembered so it's fiercebuddhist.org and then you can reach out to me via email or japaneseculturecenter.org. You can reach out there and we'll be happy to connect with you as well. What is your email then? Um, you can send it to william at haikutemple.org. And that is william at haikutemple.org, which is a reference to Isa because his name was a play on haiku temple so it's a it was a cup this was actually a cup of tea a cup of tea temple haiku temple so i wanted to kind of give homage to isa in my email name wonderful wonderful yes we had a great time today uh if you think this information is useful Make sure to subscribe my YouTube channel, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, and like me on my Facebook, because that's how we do it in the 21st century. So thank you so much, Master William, for coming here and uh, educate us about the uh, haiku. Thank you.